Great, thank you so much. Real privilege to be here. Really excited this afternoon. I know sometimes it feels, when I was prepping, I always thought it felt like a bit of a wedding today. I don't know if you sort of feel that. I thought, oh, yeah, I've been asked to preach and it's always a privilege. And I think, should I be looking at Chris? You know what I'm saying? If ever you go to a wedding, is this a word for, you know, the husband and wife in the situation? Am I really preaching to him and saying, come on, Chris, this is really what I'm saying? But then everyone else is sat there and I think, oh, am I preaching to the eldership team? You know, and you think, oh, come on, there's a team here, and it's not just about one person, it's about a team. And then I think, oh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm preaching to them, I'm preaching to everyone, because you're all here because you're excited about the church. And so I do hope that you will think, oh, yeah, there's something for Chris, something for the team, something for the church as we look at this passage. We're going to look at Mark chapter 5. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love that you can look at this. I love the local church. I really do. You know, I, 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 I was going to say, I don't think I can over-big it up. Jesus so loves the church. He's coming back for this bride. You know, this is, what we're doing today, we're trying to get this bride ready. I know I was asked to preach on the body last time. I'm not re-preaching that one. But I think as I come today and, and we think about elders, we're not thinking about efficient managers. We're coming and asking, not just for a title on someone, but an anointing from God that this bride gets ready for his return. And, you know, we don't want to suddenly get to, oh, golly, here's a badge. You know, he's now got another star. He, he can sweep the floor as well as make teas and coffees now. And so it's not about that. It's more, God, we believe there's an anointing from you because this is your church. And ultimately, you build the church, and one day you're going to come back for this. It's going to be so exciting. So, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Make sure I keep time. Jesus raises a dead girl and heals a sick woman. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was still by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, named Jairus, came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched me? Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, 
daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he'd put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. I love this, don't you? I mean, you, I, I used to be a primary school teacher. I think I've told you that once before. Really, I shouldn't be reading this. We should be acting it. You know what I'm saying? We should be having you all up here, creating a crowd, somebody touching. I should find a 12-year-old girl that's going to lie down. We should get to see the excitement of this kind of chapter. I don't know, maybe you're not Christian here tonight. Great, you are really welcome. People say to me, oh, Pete, I, I don't know about the Bible. I would like to discover something about God. I always tell them, go to the book of Mark. Maybe you've just become a Christian. You think, I'd like to read something in the Bible. Go to the book of Mark. It is my favorite book. It's fast-paced. Do you know the word immediately, they reckon, comes up 43 times? We believe that Mark relied upon this guy called Peter. Well, anyone called Peter has got wise things to say in my book. No, seriously, it wasn't about Peter, it wasn't about Mark. What's the whole book about? The whole book is about Jesus. Jesus, the disciples are called to follow Jesus. The disciples uh, follow this man who's an incredible teacher, who's a miracle worker. If you read the book of Mark, you cannot be blown away by how great Jesus is. And, and look, I've, I've probably read quite a long passage already. The reality is I wish we could have gone back to, to Mark chapter 4 because there the, the disciples are in the boat and they say, Jesus, although we're fishermen, we're going to drown. And Jesus is greater than the disaster that they're facing. And then from there, we go to, the, he stops at this place, and there's this guy who's got a demon in him, and, and they just don't know what to do with him, so they chain him up, and he keeps breaking the chains, and Jesus is greater than the demon, and he sets the person free. And then we get Jesus meets this woman who's been ill for 12 years. Jesus is greater than the disease in that woman. And then we've got this story about this child who's 12, who's died. Jesus is greater than death. You see, if we just look at this, we think, what a great picture of Jesus. You know, I think, wow. It's been great being stirred, isn't it? 
What has Jesus done for us? Hey, we're cheering on people that are going to serve as elders. These guys are inspired by Jesus. If our church is not about Jesus, we've got caught up in the wrong thing. So let's have a look at this story that Mark has recorded here. Mark has made what theologians would like to call a sandwich. He has placed two stories together, but they wrap around each other and are intertwined. And you cannot really understand one without the other. Tom Wright, in his commentary, says, The flavour of the outer story adds zest to the inner one. The taste of the inner one is meant to permeate the outer story. So I read two stories because what they're saying is he's put these together on purpose because he wants us to wrestle with two stories. Should I just have talked about the, the woman? Or should I just have talked about the child? But no, no, these two bits come together. And I've called it Lives That Jesus Touched. It, on, on one level, these two stories are so very, very similar. Both stories involve a woman. You became a woman when you were 12 years old in that culture. So they both have got a 12-year association, a 12-year-old child and one who suffered for 12 years. Both accounts include stories of people that have literally fallen at the feet of Jesus. I mean, it's, it's remarkable, isn't it? Jairus does, this woman does. Both accounts are really interruptions in the life of Jesus. Jesus is doing something, going somewhere, teaching, and, and both of them seem to interrupt. Both accounts, people are desperate for Jesus. You know, it's not like, oh, well, you know, maybe, possibly. You know, they come, don't they? I mean, can you imagine this, this father whose child is suffering, you know, to, to swallow all his pride and to fall at the feet of Jesus publicly? He's desperate. This woman, I mean, she spent everything she has. She is desperate for Jesus. Both receive an instant result. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? It doesn't always happen. If you've been following Jesus for some time, you might think, golly, I've cried out to Jesus, and I've cried out to Jesus, and I've cried, and I'm still waiting. But here we get it. Both of these people literally receive a touch. Now, if you're an introvert today, you are struggling with this sermon already. Unfortunately, my wife is not here today, but you know, if she was in the front row, I'd just be going, come on, dear. It's got to be something here. There's a touch from God. And he's already thinking, I wish I hadn't sat in that row. <laughs> yeah, I can walk. I'm not tied up by anything. You know what I'm saying? Come on, Will. He's a good-looking guy. <laughs> not quite as good as my wife, but come on. It's a touch. It's... Oh, people are already thinking, back away. <laughs> This story talks about a touch from Jesus. And yet, in one respect, these stories are completely different. So if we just looked at the stories again, one is a man, the dad comes and asks. One is a woman. One is rich, he's got money. And the other, we know, is poor because she spent everything that she's got. One has got influence and prestige. This is the guy, he's the ruler of the synagogue. The other would have had no influence. One has a name, Jairus. The other is a woman. 
One is considered important in that society. The other would have been considered useless. Don't touch, cannot get close to. One approaches from the front and boldly comes to Jesus. The other approaches from behind. One is private. The other is very public. And, and, and so you could look at this and you think, wow, th this just feels so totally different. I'd just like to say, I believe God wants to touch us today. I believe we, we come to a touchy-feely God. You've got to get used to that. Doesn't matter if you're a regular or a visitor. I believe God likes to touch you. Doesn't matter if you say I'm married or you're single, I believe God wants to touch you. Doesn't matter if you're old or you're young, God wants to touch you. Doesn't matter if you're going to become an elder or you're not, God wants to touch you. We see in this story a God who touches. I'll tell you what I probably find the scariest thing about this. I'll try not to get distracted for too long. The scary thing I find in this story is those that were almost touched by God. It says in verse 21, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him whilst he was by the lake. I mean, this is a classic thing, isn't it? I mean, Jesus was this guy who was teaching, who was doing miracles. This crowd gathers around him. I guess they could have boasted, I was there on the day. I mean, if they'd have had a Facebook, they'd have probably taken a picture of it and posted it. Instagram, that was me. They could tell their neighbours and friends, I saw it with my own eyes. But the tragedy is, they didn't get a personal touch. Is that like you in church? If you're really honest, somebody's dragged you along. If you're really honest, you're not quite sure even why you're here. If you're really honest, you think, oh, somebody else just seems to know God, and I think I'm just in, in the crowd. I would like to suggest that actually Jesus wants to touch them. I love it when often we do dedications. We remind ourselves of the story of these people where they want to bring their children to Jesus. And the disciples, no, no, far too busy, clear off. And Jesus doesn't just put a hand on them, it's literally he, he grabs them up in his arms. You know, the disciples thought, no, he hasn't got time for a quick blessing. Jesus, no, I've got time. I want to encounter you. I guess what I found even more shocking, just pause here for a moment, is the 12 disciples. This was not the crowd. This was his disciples. It says in verse 31, you see the people crowding against you? The disciples answered, and yet you say, who touched me? they were that close to Jesus and they'd forgotten what a touch led to. And sometimes I just, it shocked me and I suddenly thought, oh, would I say, Jesus, I'm, I'm close to you, I'm, I'm one of your disciples, but I've forgotten you've got power. And I've gathered around, what? Someone's touching, you've got to be mad, Jesus. We're all around you. It's almost like they knew that people were physically close to Jesus, but they weren't expecting Jesus to do something. That was outside of their comprehension. And I sometimes think, for some of us, we've been disciples that have been around him for so long that we've forgotten he could do something. We've forgotten that he does 
the miraculous, the touch of power. I know that people here choose to live in Wokingham, but I quite like living in London where you can get on the tube and stand like this with a total stranger. You know, and you just travel everywhere and you think, man, love, there are people everywhere. You know, imagine being on the tube. Somebody touched me. Well, that's not surprising. You know, I had to reverse into the carriage to get in as it was. You think, well, of course they're touching you. But there's something, there is power. Have we forgotten to expect a touch of power? When we're praying for Chris, we want him to know a touch of God. We don't just want to feel like, oh, he's part of the crowd. We don't want him just to think, oh, I'm a disciple that goes from a distance. And then what we discover, as I've called this, the whole touch of Jesus, is that there is a price to be paid. In verse 30, it says, At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched me? Yeah, I'm just imagining, you know, he's walking along, there's everybody here, this guy has said, come with me, okay, I'll go to your house. He's walking along there, they're surrounding him. Power's gone out. Now, I'm not quite sure if I feel comfortable with that word, but one commentator I said this, uh, read that Jesus was weakened. Now, how, how do we feel that? Jesus definitely knew he'd lost something because they'd been touched. This had cost him. Isaiah 53 tells us that that would be true. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we're healed. We know that ultimately we are saved not because we do anything good, but because Jesus paid a price. We could pray for your healing, not because we've got power, but Jesus paid the price. There was a price. I used to be a school teacher. I told you that. The thing that I'm useless at, and uh, you know, I, I don't mind preaching, but I'm useless at first aid. Oh, I remember as a school teacher, you'd have to be trained in it. It's a good job I'm not teaching now. You know? I, I, I could start feeling sick if you just told me that you were bleeding. I, I don't even want to look at it. I mean, this is no word of a lie. The lady in my church had to have a hip replacement. And I'd known her very well, so I'd taken her to hospital. And she asked me if I could pick her up. Her and her husband don't have a car. So I said, of course I can. And she starts telling me about how good she feels, you know, as we're hobbling like this. I kid you not, I wind down the window. I think I'm going to vomit the whole way home. That's the pastoral care of Pete. I suddenly look at a story like this and think, help, who should I help first? You see, I am suddenly confronted by a woman who has suffered for 12 years and a girl who's about to die. As a first aider, who do you respond to first? I don't know. Some of you are first aiders. You say, oh, it's obvious, Pete. Well... What I find fascinating here is you've got these two dilemmas going on. This girl, this, this young girl, well, she's 12, just be about to be a woman. She's dying. I've got to go there. She's dying. And Jesus stops. Jesus keeps looking around.
I mean, this pause is awkward enough already, isn't it? How long did Jesus wait? I used to be a school teacher. I don't know if I've mentioned that already this evening. <laughs> I used to say, I gave out 20 pairs of scissors, I've only got 19. It's okay, I can wait. It's your break time. Somebody bring in the scissors. You just imagine, how long did Jesus wait for? Someone touched me. The disciples start going, Jesus, <laughs> there's a lot of folk around you. I hate to say it. You know what I'm saying? I might have bumped into you, Lord. Maybe it was me. No, no, somebody touched me. Power's gone. I will wait. This is what we get in this story. I'm not quite sure why. In those days, there was an idea that the glory of a person was exhibited or existed on their clothes, that there was power in what you wore. It's not a far-fetched idea, really. That, I guess, is fashion, isn't it? It's why good-looking guys like us turn up in the same kind of shirts. There's some glory in what you wear. Some think it was a magical charm. That actually the woman must have thought, I've tried everything else, maybe I could touch the miracle worker. We do know in the book of Acts that God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even the handkerchiefs that touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured. Come on, who wants to buy my handkerchief? No takers, somebody's coughing just at the thought of it. William Lane says in his commentary, it was the grasp of her faith rather than her hand that secured what she saw. And so actually this woman came and it wasn't like, oh, did I touch his magical clothes? Did I happen to get a hold of the miracle worker? By faith, she reached out to God and God touched her. Just think about this. She wanted some thing. Jesus wants someone. She turns up and thinks, hey, if I can get my miracle, I'm out of here. In fact, if I could just scrape, scrape in, I've touched the hem of his garment, I'm done. I'm good. I'm home. And Jesus says, no, something happened. Jesus is interested in people. Chris, I encourage you, always be interested in people. When the church doubles in size and you're thinking, who's who? Always be interested in people. When a church multiplies and plants another church, always be interested in people. Dexter, an Indian professor, says this, Jesus did not regard her action as an interruption, but as faith in action. You see, Jesus wanted to minister to this woman. She came, and if she was really honest, she thought, I want to be healed. Jesus wanted to go in peace. She wanted the physical. Jesus wanted the spiritual. You may be coming today and think, Jesus, if you just answer this prayer, I'm good. We're done. I prayed for years. Lord, clear my mortgage. <laughs> I thought, answer that prayer, Lord, and I'll be happy. I was interested in the physical. Whereas almost Jesus is saying, come on, Pete, I want to go deeper here. Now, someone's going to fact-check me, so I always get a tad nervous. But I'd read somewhere, so it must be true. This is the only time in the Gospel that Jesus calls somebody's daughter. 
That was huge because she was isolated, because she was bleeding. She was disregarded. She was considered unclean. And she gets touched, and Jesus looks at her and says, Daughter. I mean, there would have been a, a huge embrace there. I guess this is why we so often say the gospel is not that the guilty just go free. The gospel is that the lonely join a family. It's why we think about these fathers of the family. What we're trying to say is the gospel should change you. I should be here as part of a family. That is understanding something. I have to be careful. I don't want to overstretch it. But I would like to suggest that in God's kingdom, the nobody becomes a somebody. And even here today, you might kind of think, actually, Peter, I'm probably the nobody. If we had to pile people in two piles, I, I would probably be in this pile. But actually, in this story, Jesus wants to come and touch Jason Meyer, in his For You commentary, says, Faith brings more than the gift of healing. It brings the gift of identity. How many of us are really, if we're honest, looking for identity? We can cram our lives with so many activities or events. We can cram our lives with so many purchases. But what we really want is a sense of identity. A touch of Jesus gets this. I know I'm going to have to come into land soon. Let me ask you the question. Do you still believe for a touch from Jesus? Are you still believing for that? All the while that this has been going on, who stood there? Jairus. Yeah, I mean, come on, he's coming to my house to heal my girl. <laughs> what on earth are you doing stopping this? And now we're looking around, and now we're asking questions. <laughs> this is taking way too long. I'm a desperate dad that wants my daughter healed. And then what happens? The friends come and say what? Don't bother. Not the healer. They say, don't bother the teacher. Yeah, he talks a good game, but your daughter's now dead. Imagine how that must have felt. <laughs> Jesus addresses the situation. What does he say to Jairus? He says, don't be afraid, trust. It says that in verse 36. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. Fear is the opposite of faith. I tell you, we are looking for elders that take steps of faith. We're looking for elders that come in and say, Do you know, I believe Jesus. I'm not just going to say, oh, we could efficiently make this happen. I could say, Jesus, I'm believing for a touch of you and you could do something. Hey, you're the God of the impossible. Surely that's what we get to here. Victor Cole, he's the vice chancellor of theology in Kenya, says, fear is the foe of faith. When one turns to God, he gives hope when things are utterly hopeless and helpless. I mean, oh, if we could just pause and we're running out of time. Jesus declares the girl's asleep. Hang on, he knows she's dead. But he's so confident that he can wake her. He stirs that kind of faith. He casts out the professional mourners. 
He allows five to watch, three more than required. You only needed two to confirm it. He is tender to this girl. Some would say it was, it was like a mother going in in the morning and saying, come on, girl, time to wake up. That's how tender Jesus was to this person. I'm going to skip the next slide if you've got it there. I just want to go here. Jesus offers a touch like no other. Jesus has broken all the taboos. In those days, it was thought, if I touch someone with a disease, I'm diseased. Yeah, so I've got to remain unclean. If I touch something that has died, I'm unclean. But Jesus has shown that he is greater. Jesus is stronger than demons. He's stronger than a disease. He is stronger than death. Warren Wiersbe says, Jesus is the master of every situation and the conqueror of every enemy. I'm obviously getting a little Pentecostal in the mornings because I'd expect an amen or hallelujah at that point. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Do we believe this? Stuart Blanche says in Encounters with Jesus, if as we believe God the creator of the universe and the Lord of all history is in Christ, then we are right not to be surprised when things happen which transcend what we like to call normal and defeat our effort to explain them. This is is what we're believing for. We're believing for a touch from God. Man, man, that, that just transcends my understanding. I can't quite get my head around that. Great, you've had a touch from Jesus. Jesus exercised the demon in a man that no one can control. Jesus heals a woman that no one can cure. Phil Moore, in his commentary, says, the kingdom doesn't just deal with our sin, it deals with our sickness, our suffering, and any other limitation that the devil tries to place upon our lives. This touch of God, it may be you're not a believer here, Come and get a touch from Jesus. It may be you just think, man, I've been in the crowd for so long, I've forgotten that there's power for me today. It may be you think you're stepping up to serve as a small group leader, as a youth leader, as a kids worker. Believe for a touch of God. Two years ago, Nikki and I had the privilege of doing a tour of Israel and Palestine. We went to a synagogue in Magdala, And uh, this picture, I believe, I've got it here, was in the synagogue. And this is a picture of this story. And actually, it was the size of that wall. And it was like all these feet and this woman that had literally reached out to try and touch the hem of his garment. And I guess we just sat there, you know, on this tour. I don't know, it's probably 30 minutes or something. Just letting God speak to us out of this story. Don't be put off by the business of life. Don't be distracted from the main thing. I know there are words over this church about you going to another level, a new harvest, direction even in uncertainty. Hey, on this wedding day, if I'm speaking to Chris, the team, the church, I am coming to say, believe for a touch of God. I'll end with this. Tim Keller, the great theologian, said often the question is not do we have too little faith, but do we have too much pride? Both these people 
were desperate for a touch of Jesus. And they came and threw themselves at his feet and said, Jesus, would you touch me? And sometimes if we're really honest, then I challenge myself, I can think, have I got enough faith that he's going to touch me? Or am I just too proud to ask? And my prayer is, Chris, the team, always stay humble, believing that he will come and touch you in his grace and his wisdom. Amen.